Chats with friends. I am excited to introduce to you my friends Pam and George Klein. I first met Pam and George 15 years ago, the summer that Mary Clark and I started dating. Um, Pam and George are on staff with the Ministry of Focus, which is a parachurch ministry that serves students in independent schools. And they have been faithful friends and mentors to Mary Clark and I through the years, have been guides and exemplars to us in our life, in ministry, in parenting, and prayer. And our youngest is named George in part because of George and Pam. So Pam and George first met many years ago on a young life ski trip in Switzerland. George was in the army stationed in Germany, in Germany at the time. And the week after they met, George proposed to Pam and uh, then she accepted. And then he, shortly after he left for the Vietnam war for a year. And then he came back and they were married. And amongst other things, they served as missionaries behind the Iron Curtain in Romania in the 80s for six summers. They've raised a family. They are proud grandparents. And now they reside in Maine and in Charleston, South Carolina. And they're quarantined in Charleston where they are members of St. Michael's Anglican Church. And so I have asked them to join me this morning um, because I want to have a conversation with them about prayer so that you can learn from them as I've learned from them. So first question for you. First, Pam and George, it's so good to see y'all. And Thank you. Good to see you, John. Um, so first question for you is, what in your life has convinced you of the necessity of prayer? Well, for, for me, when you look at the life of Jesus, he was the son of God born miraculously, and was God's own divine son. Here is also, and also a full human being. But he found it absolutely necessary to pray. And if he found it necessary to pray, I am totally convinced that I need to pray. I don't have nearly the power to to heal people, to raise the dead, to do those miraculous things that that Jesus did. And how did he do it? Well, he did it because he was really dependent upon his father. And I'm convinced that whatever God calls me to do and how to live in this world, I am going to need that connection as well. I don't pretend to have the kind of connection that Jesus had to his father mm-hmm. or to spend the night in prayer as he apparently did on occasions. And I, and I regret that I don't do it more often, more faithfully for longer periods of time. But I'm fully convinced that this is something that is essential for me as a Christian. And I think the 
the present situation we find ourselves in with this coronavirus is one of those wake calls to, I think, all people. Frankly, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much influence you have. Even as the prime minister of Great Britain came down with this virus, right. none of us can really say to ourselves, we don't have to worry about anything. We all are subject to this, and no matter how hard people are working, the scientists are working, people are dying by the hundreds and have died by the hundreds a day in Spain, in Italy, in France, in England, and in the United States. Five, six, seven hundred a day in New York City by themselves. And, and this just illustrates to me how powerless we really are, even though oftentimes as a people, Americans particularly, we think that we have, um, we can really do pretty much everything on our own. And it's been a lesson to me that we are indeed much more powerless than we ever imagined. And it's, it's, it reinforces to me that I need to spend time praying. A, a friend of mine sent me a book just at the beginning of this, uh, of Lent, and during the period of the coronavirus um, shutdowns of, of everything. And, and it was a book on prayer. And, and I was so glad that, that he sent it to me because it just reinforced the um, opportunity to have more time quiet, um, separated from other people. And it's given me an incentive to turn off a lot of the noise that so easily fills my head. You know, our, our cell phones and our iPads and the television uh, is, is in my, I'm, I'm talking about that as noise now because a lot of times it is noise to me, but it, it doesn't lead, that noise doesn't lead me to peace. It doesn't lead me to um, health itself. It, it, it disturbs my heart, my soul, my mind. And, and I really need to get apart from that noise. So it's been a spiritual discipline. This this Lent was turning off noise. Um, I listened a little bit, but I would cut back at ninety percent, and it it was really freeing for me then to have time to think and to pray in moments that otherwise would have been times of of listening to somebody um, talk on some news program. Um, scary stuff. Why do I need to yeah. do more scary stuff? Or getting in the car and turning on music or something rather than having some time by myself, quiet, where I could think and I could think and I could admit to, to God my need of him, how powerless I was, how worried I, I am perhaps mm -hmm. about the situation or about friends and it's, it's given me a, a new sense of, of who I am and uh, who God is and, and my dependency upon him. I cannot depend on resources or jobs 
for many people, they've lost jobs. Schools have been, have been uh, uh, suspended for the, for the rest of the season. Graduations have been canceled. Yeah. You know, people are, are, are feeling a lot of powerless stuff happening to them. And it's been a reminder to me that the real power is not in the institutions around us or in my own abilities but I need to really rely upon God. So this has been a real lesson to me. Mary Clark wanted to say hi. Hi. Mary Clark. Hey, good to you. Hey, George. Hey. That's great to see you. So good to see y'all. Great to see you smiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be a... It's got to be a challenging time. Oh, yes. It is. It is. <laughs> yes. I don't know why we thought three children was a good idea. <laughs> because you were determined to have more than two. <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> um, George, I love what you just said, the way that you described prayer as dependency. Because when I, when I talk to students who are curious about the Christian faith and are figuring out what they believe and why they believe it, sometimes I hear them talk about prayer as something that, like, um, is about affecting change, or um, or uh, almost like it's a it's reciting the right words to get God to do something, and that's not how you describe it at all. It it, it sounds like you, the way you're describing prayer is that it's um, it's more about a a posture of dependence and need on the one who provides or the a yes. weakness with the one who is strong. Um, and it's, it's, uh, you talked about it as like a connection, which I think is really helpful. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's that connection with a father who does love. I mean, Jesus, you know, invited us to pray to a father and, uh, and, you know, we, if we have a, a father that we really love and we're close to, we, we know that that's a, a wonderful relationship to um, just to chat with and, and, and to talk over what's, what's, what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and, and yes, make requests, but, but it's, it's really um, so much about being together and being um, affirming of, of his goodness and, and God's care and, and thanks and giving thanks and acknowledging how, how much we appreciate the things that we often take for granted. But now, during this pandemic, we're realizing how, how many gifts that um, we just take for granted and, and yeah. think that we serve them somehow, but we don't. And, and I, I love that you, I mean, I love the way that the Bible presents God to us because I think on our own, we often can conceive of God, like if we are on our own independently asking the question, who is God? Um, the stuff we come up with is he's the universe or he is the unmover or uh, he's the great spirit in the sky. But that's not at all how the Bible presents God's identity. That, no. In First Peter, uh, he, Peter says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That the, the Bible focuses our attention on Jesus and his death and resurrection and saying that he is the one who is the image of the invisible God. So if we want to know what God is like, to look at Jesus, um, which is so wonderful because 
when on our own, when we think about who God is, right, we just get, we go all sorts of places. And oh, yeah. God is so gracious to give us this picture of him in Jesus so that we might know what type of father he is. I mean, for those of us who, and those of people listening who don't have good fathers and haven't experienced that, that we see Jesus's relationship to his father and know that he's somebody who's trustworthy. Yes. Um, trustworthy unto death. Are you heading out? Yeah. Right. Good to see you guys. Better talk. Bye. Bye. So uh, how would you encourage, and this question is for Pam, how would you encourage a new Christian to begin praying? So someone who's saying, hey, I, want, I don't really know how to pray. I've never really done it before. How, how would I start praying? Well, I think when you begin to realize that you could read the Bible a lot, but never really know the person of Jesus Christ just by reading, it's like trying to get to know somebody by just reading the Wikipedia description of him. It doesn't help you to get to know that person. It does help you to get to know the person when you can talk to them and they can talk to you. Mm-hmm. So I that it's a conversation. It's a conversation with the God of the universe who demonstrates himself and his characteristics in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, I love the expression, just do it, because often we sit on the sidelines and we wring our hands and we read um, how-to books, but nothing is a substitute for actually coming to Jesus and talking to him, imagining him face-to-face. And I think of a, a little baby, you know, when they're first born, they just scream at the top of their lungs when they want something. And then all of a sudden it, it begins to, to become gurgling and burbling and blowing bubbles. And then because their parents are so much a part of their lives, they want to communicate to those parents. So they start trying out the word mama or dada. And all of a sudden they, they hear the words their parents are speaking to them. And they mirror back those words. They try out those words. And they try more and more words. And then they string them all together, string them all together in sentences. What is the same with us? We may start out by just crying out and saying, Daddy, Abba. And then, and then we learn more. And then we begin to see the face of Jesus. And then we have this amazing conversation. We stop and listen to find out what he's saying to us so that we can say, things back to him mm-hmm. and we grow in our faith. We don't stay in that childlike position or um, phase. We grow and to me, prayer is one of the most amazing things because you can never plumb the depths of prayer. You can never outlearn. You can never learn all there is to learn about, um, about the subject of prayer and about God. I mean, he, the creator of the universe came to earth and lived just like us had the same experiences that we do, and yet he was dependent on his father for all that he was and all that he has. It's a really, it's an amazing thing. And we can do the same thing. How to pray? Well, I still love the age-old use of the word acts, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And Tim Keller once said that if you start by adoring God, who he is, what he is, go on to confession, humbly saying, I'm not worthy of your love. I'm not worthy of your grace. I'm not worthy of your concern. And yet knowing it to be true. And then you go to Thanksgiving where you're thanking God for the things he's poured out on you in true humility, 
um, you're just grateful. You're grateful for the flowers. You're grateful for the sky. You're grateful for all the grace that God has given to you. And then you move to supplication. So Tim Keller says, if you start with adoration, confession, and thanksgiving, you, you really come to very little in the way of supplication. And I often think, too, of how children whine. You know, it probably annoys their parents intensely. How much better? And I hear parents saying, use your words. Use yeah. your words instead of just screaming at the top of their lungs. <laughs> and I wonder if God ever says to us, use your words. Don't just whine. Use your words and tell me honestly and humbly what it is that you want me to do for you. That's application. Yeah, that's great. And that 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 cycle, the adoration, can, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, that's the cycle that we see in scripture. That that's that's the structure of a lot of the Psalms that God yeah. has given us these words so that we can speak his words back to him that he has first given us. And yes. I love what you're saying. I mean, God knows our frame. He knows that we need help. He knows and he wants us to grow and to learn to speak to him. And so he's given us in scripture um, words so that we can articulate adoration and we can mm-hmm. confess and we can thank him and then we can ask. And I love how you put that. If we, if we start with adoration, when we get to supplication, we're actually asking for good things because our hearts are already in line. With God's will. I read this morning, I think it's Psalm 36, the um, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. That promise that if our hearts are in line with him and our delight, our greatest good of our hearts is God's glory, then he's going to give us the desire of our heart. That yes. If we align with him, he, he fulfills us and satisfies us. The deepest longings we have are found, he satisfies us in him. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. and then those deepest desires are really basically him. Yeah. And what he wants for us. And so if we're really devoting ourselves to him, there's no, no way that we're not going to find him revealed and, and uh, uh, responding to us. The Bible is an amazing source book for learning how to pray, as you said, John. But I think of all the names of God that are outlined in Scripture and how people like David, you know, probably one of the greatest men in the Old Testament, but also one of the greatest sinners who murdered um, to cover up his own adultery, how he uses words to describe God, how he adored God. But he also, at the same time, he poured out his heart to God. Yeah. You know, he pulled back who he was. Um, he was very, very honest. And I think that's, that's the other thing. We can be incredibly honest with God, knowing that he still loves us in the depth of our sinful nature. He still loves us. Amen. Well, thank you all so much. It is so good to see you. Great to see you. And God bless you, John. Yes, John. Peace be with you. God bless you too. Bye-bye. Bye, John.